But the final episodes, episode nine, which is called The Rise of Skywalker, is coming out December 20th. And I don't know if you've seen the cover of Time Magazine or Newsweek, but both of them have Star Wars on the cover. Both of these magazines point out the historical impact Star Wars has had on pop culture beginning in 1977. In fact, adjusted for inflation, the very first episode, episode four, The New Hope in 1977, made adjusted for inflation $3.3 billion. That's amazing. In fact, every episode of the Star Wars saga has made at least a billion dollars adjusted for inflation, except one year, uh, Attack of the Clones, which was the number two film, Attack of the Clones only made $926 million, so they had a, a downfall that year. But all of them have made tons of money. In fact, the second highest uh, grossing film of the Star Wars saga is actually uh, The Force Awakens, episode seven. It made $2.1 billion, and it came out in 2015, 38 years after the original Star Wars film came out. As followers of Christ, we have to admit that this movie is having an impact on our culture. And like the Apostle Paul says, I've become all things so that I might win the more. I've become like a Jew to reach the Jews and the Greeks to reach the Greeks. And we want to be an intergenerational church that does all that we can to help reach the next generation for the kingdom of Christ. Well, I promise you our young people who just dressed up like the Star Wars figures are excited about this new movie coming out. And we want to make sure that our young people have an opportunity to invite their friends to a, an exclusive showing of that movie. And so we've actually, uh, the movie comes out December 20th. December 21st, we have purchased an entire showing of that uh, episode on the Saturday afternoon matinee. And we're gonna be giving tickets away. Our young people are gonna give tickets away to their friends. And then we're gonna get to show that commercial you just saw. In fact, we've purchased uh, that type of commercial at every movie theater. So that as people are getting ready to watch Star Wars, they're gonna get to see that first and see that they can hear the true story about the true star of Christmas. The good news of Jesus Christ as they come join us in celebration of him this Advent season. Raise your hand if you've seen a Star Wars movie. Anybody out here? Okay. That's pretty much everybody, I think. I, I have to admit, I have seen every single one of them. As a kid of the 70s and the 80s, I had all the little Star Wars figurines. In fact, my mom tells a great story about how she labored and, and went, had a friend go all the way to Arizona to get me the Millennium Falcon. Uh, if you remember that uh, uh, spaceship that Han Solo used to fly, I used to look forward with great anticipation at the release of each new movie. Why have the Star Wars movies been so popular that they cover over many generations, 38 years we've been celebrating this movie? Well, the Star Wars movies, if you've seen any one of them, know they have great special effects, great music, some pretty good acting, you know? But more importantly, it has a great story, a story that keeps us enthralled, interested to know what's going to be coming next. You see, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars and the director of the original films, was an excellent storyteller. And he was mentored by a man named Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in his book, he makes the case that every great story, every great myth, every great legend of the past has a hero who is called to a great adventure. But in order for this hero to succeed, he must have a mentor and he must have a, a group of friends or a band of brothers to help him in his journey in order to be successful. An example of this uh, would be the classic tale of King Arthur. King Arthur had Merlin, the wizard, mentoring him and eventually he got the, the knights of the round table who were his co-laborers as he tried to establish his kingdom and keep peace. And along the way, this hero is going to be tested and he's going to grow in many challenges and he's going to grow in his character and ultimately his success will be shared by many. He will make the world better 
because he was successful. It was through this understanding of great storytelling and his friendship with Joseph Campbell that Greg Lucas wrote the Star Wars saga that we have today. Now the first six movies of Star Wars actually center around a principal character, Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker eventually becomes Darth Vader. Now in episode one of the Star Wars movies, we learn that Anakin Skywalker was born of a virgin. Where do you think he got that idea, born of a virgin? Well, George Lucas was raised a Methodist, so he had read the Bible. He, he knew the story of, of Jesus, you know, born of a virgin. And he continues to tell us that uh, in, uh, there's other principles, Christian metaphors and Christian uh, ideals that come out through these Star Wars films. For, for instance, in episode four, the most popular one, A New Hope, the one that was released in 1977, you may remember that Obi-Wan Kenobi is fighting Darth Vader, and there's a point where Obi-Wan Kenobi says to Darth Vader, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi gives his life and allows Darth Vader to kill him. And when he does, you can see that Obi-Wan Kenobi's body just kind of disappears and his, his cloak falls to the ground. Well, you'll see later in episode four of The New Hope, while Luke Skywalker is flying his X-wing fighter trying to destroy the Death Star, he faces the incredible challenge of trying to, to shoot a, a bomb, a laser bomb, through a very small hole. And other pilots had already tried with their technical equipment and they were unsuccessful. And as Luke Skywalker is facing this great challenge, he hears the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi tell him, use the force, Luke, let go. And so Luke rests on the force, he takes a shot, and he's able to destroy the Death Star with one single shot. Yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi was greater in his death than he was when he was alive. Reminds me of in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to have to leave them so that he can send his Holy Spirit to be with them, to empower them, to guide them. And what's interesting, if you look at the story as it's told to us in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that they will do even greater things than he has done. Now, how is it possible for the disciples of Jesus to do greater things than Jesus? Well, while Jesus was on this earth, he was one man at one place at one time. But after he is crucified, resurrected, and ascends to heaven, then he sends his Holy Spirit, who now dwells within each one of his followers, so that his followers may be scattered all over the world at many places, at many times, doing the work of God's kingdom. Yes, Jesus proves to be even greater in his death than he was in his life. You can see we can take some of the Christian motifs that are in Star Wars and help build a bridge to the greatest story ever told as we talk to our friends about the good news of Jesus. Now, Star Wars is not a Christian movie. In fact, George Lucas today calls himself a Buddhist Methodist. I have no idea what that is. I don't know what a Buddhist Methodist is. I looked it up. I couldn't find any good information on what a Buddhist Methodist is. I know this. Buddhists believe in reincarnation, that how you live in this life, you know, you'll determine whether or not you re- achieve nirvana and if you get to be reincarnated. And the old, there's an eightfold path to nirvana, right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Buddhists emphasize what you need to do. We as Christians emphasize what Jesus has already done. There's a big difference in our faith systems. In Star Wars, though, we can see that Eastern religion certainly has had an impact and an emphasis uh, on the Star Wars trilogy because the force is what binds everything together. In fact, Anakin Skywalker, who is prophesied as the chosen one, is supposed to bring balance to the force 
because there's a good side to the force and there's a dark side to the force, like the yin and the yang of Taoism. According to Yoda, the force surrounds us and binds us. As Yoda explains, a Jedi Knight uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. The Jedi Knights are selfless, but the Sith, Darth Vader, Snoke, and all the other evil characters use the dark side for selfish reasons. This emphasis on the force has led some people to describe Star Wars as a religious film. George Lucas, in an interview with uh, Bill Moyers, explains that I don't see Star Wars as profoundly religious. I see Star Wars as taking all the issues that religion represents and trying to distill them down into a more modern and easily accessible construct that people can grab onto to accept the fact that there is a greater mystery out there. So Star Wars is not a, a religious film, but there are certainly religious themes and elements of the, the trilogy, of the movies, of the saga. And we can use some of these themes, which you can find Christian connections to, and we can use these themes to help point our friends to the greatest story ever told, the story of the true hope, the, the true star of Christmas, Jesus Christ. In fact, you may know in the Star Wars movies, they always say, may the force be with you. Where do you think George Lucas got that from? From the church, we always say, the Lord be with you. And people reply, also with you, right? They get that from us. What an opportunity we have this Christmas season as people get excited about Star Wars to help point them to the true star of Christmas. Now, some people believe uh, that the story of Jesus begins in the first century. But we know that the story of Jesus, the prophecies of Jesus, were spoken centuries and centuries before Jesus was even born. I would like to look at one of those prophecies this morning that we find in Isaiah chapter nine, beginning with verse two. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning with verse two. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the prophet Isaiah who spoke a word of hope to the people living in darkness in the midst of a challenging time in the seventh century B.C., God, I pray, Lord, that as we read these words again, that we might hear from you, that you might speak to us, that you might transform us from the inside out so that we might reflect your hope and your love and all that we say and do. Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning with verse two, listen to the word of the Lord. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. I want to pause there just for a moment. What is this darkness that Isaiah speaks about? Well, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7 is a beautiful poem of hope that was written during the difficult reign of King Ahaz. King Ahaz was the king of Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah in 735 BC. And as we read in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. King Ahaz was unfaithful to God for King Ahaz offered, uh, uh, made offerings to false gods of foreign uh, of people 
In fact, Ahaz is, is guilty of actually offering one of his own sons in a, in a fire, a complete uh, contradiction to the words of Leviticus chapter 18. King Ahaz's reign was a very dark spiritual time for the people of Judah. And during King Ahaz's reign, King Rezin of Syria and King Pekah of the northern kingdom of Israel rallied together to try to destroy the southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah the prophet tells King Ahaz that he should turn to the Lord for strength and for guidance and protection, but King Ahaz doesn't have enough faith to do that. He turns to the king of Syria for help. And as he looks to king, the king of Assyria, he ultimately sells his soul. For we're told that yes, the Assyrians helped defeat King Pekah and King Rezin, but ultimately it has dire consequences for the nation of Judah. For Isaiah tells King Ahaz that because you have turned to the king of Assyria, he will one day return and destroy Judah. He will attack Judah. They will swarm on Judah like bees. So in the seventh century BC, Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, was either at war or at the risk of being at war and being conquered by the Assyrians, who ultimately conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC. There was a great darkness over the land during the reign of King Ahaz. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice that the son that is going to be born, that's going to bring salvation to the people of Israel, who's going to rescue them from the yoke of their enemies, is going to be named Prince of Peace. In fact, the Hebrew word that's uh, d- uh, translated as peace in both verse six and verse seven is shalom in Hebrew. Now, shalom does mean peace, but it means a little more than simply the absence of war. Shalom means wholeness, completeness, salvation, peace. And shalom is ultimately a gift from God. We can't manufacture shalom on our own. No, we must be given shalom by God. As we read in the very last sentence of verse seven, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's the zeal of the Lord who's going to bring us this wonderful son, this prince of peace, who will give peace to all of Israel, to all the world. You know, it's interesting in in Star Wars, the chosen one who is prophesied is supposed to bring peace balance or peace to the force. Jedi Knights in Star Wars are actually instruments of peace. They're guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. In Isaiah, the Prince of Peace 
is going to bring shalom to all of Israel and ultimately to the rest of the world. For he is the Prince of Peace, mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting Father. Do you have shalom, peace, this Christmas season? You know, with the hustle and bustle of the holidays, it's gonna be very easy to lose our peace, can it not? We have, we have Christmas cards that we wanna get mailed out. We've got decorations that we need to, to put up. You know, we've got gifts that we need to buy, trips that we need to take. It can become very anxious during the Christmas season. It reminds me, several years ago, we were in San Antonio for Thanksgiving, and to take advantage of the wonderful sales that were going on on Black Friday, my wife sent me out you know, as a warrior off to battle to go and find the right toys for my kids. And so I went to the Toys R Us on 410 and I learned that it opens up at nine o'clock and so I was there, I promise you, by 9, 10 a.m. thinking I'm surely here in plenty of time but boy, was I wrong. The parking lot was already full as I was pulling into this Toys R Us. As I got to the, open, to, to the door, it was open but I couldn't find a, a cart for any of the toys and I had this long list of toys and I knew that these toys that my wife wanted me to get, they were in the back of the store. So like a running back, I lowered my head and ran quickly, swiftly, trying to avoid people, bumping a few, being bumped by others, all for the sake of Christmas, right? Well, when I got to the end of the store, the back of the store where the toys were supposed to be, they were already gone. In desperation, I called an attendant and said, could you please look in the back? Maybe you have some extras. Could, could you please look? And so they went off, and I began to pray. But God didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> they were gone. They were sold out. And the anxiety and the frustration of unmet expectations came upon me my my journey and my adventure to go get the right gifts had ultimately failed I was not the hero that day yes unmet expectations the consumerism of our culture endless busyness countless demands on our time discord among friends and family members anxieties about the future financial worries unexpected tragedies all of these things in our life can disrupt our peace can't they? We know that Christ has come to bring us peace, but we don't always feel his peace, do we? We know that peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, but we don't always exhibit his peace, do we? Where can we find this shalom, this everlasting peace? For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace for Israel was ultimately going to be found in the birth of a baby boy and our peace is found in the birth of the Christ child, this baby boy born of a virgin. Yes, if we want to experience true shalom, we need to look to the Prince of Peace. For the prophet Isaiah writes later in Isaiah 26, verse three, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do we trust in Jesus? the Prince of Peace today? Are our minds focused on him during this busy holiday season? 
Because if we want to experience the Prince of Peace, we've got to do more than just simply give intellectual assent to him. No, we have to be in a relationship with him. We need to spend every day focused on him this Christmas season. So how can we make sure we're doing that? How can we make sure that we're centering our hearts and minds on the Prince of Peace this Christmas? One of the great ancient practices of the earliest church is a type of prayer, it's called centering prayer. And in centering prayer, we simply close our eyes and we focus on Jesus. One of the great practices is to close our eyes and as we breathe in, we breathe out and we simply say the name of Jesus. And if we find ourselves becoming distracted, we continue to breathe in and breathe out and focus on Jesus. And as we focus on Jesus, we focus on what he has done for us all that he has done for us. This idea of meditation and focusing on God is the key to having peace. It's the key to having joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. We see this in Philippians chapter four. If you'll remember from Sunday school, the apostle Paul is in prison and he writes a letter of thanksgiving, a word of hope, a word of encouragement to the church in Philippi. And he tells them that they should rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice that they should be anxious in nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving they should make their requests known to God and the peace of God, the shalom of God will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the key to having that peace is found in Philippians 4 verse eight where Paul writes, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Is there anything more commendable, more honorable, more worthy of praise than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to do for us what we can never do for ourselves? Unlike Anakin Skywalker, who becomes Darth Vader, or Ben Solo, who becomes Kylo Ren later in the Star Wars series, Jesus was never sinful. Yes, he was tempted in the wilderness as Satan tempts him, as we read in Matthew chapter four, but using the word of God, Jesus is able to resist temptation every time using the word of God, and so Jesus was without sin. Yes, Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. He lived in perfect obedience to our heavenly Father, so that when he died on the cross, he died as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf, so that we can have the gift of a new life, the gift of eternal life, if we will simply follow him we will simply turn our hearts and minds towards him in faith so centering prayer it helps us do that I'm going to try that this morning just the remaining time in the message I want us to just spend some time in centering prayer so if you could all close your eyes this morning that would be great close your eyes I'm going to begin as I breathe in I want us to breathe out in the name of Jesus And, and don't say it loud just whisper it And then focus on Jesus. Think about the gospel stories and how Jesus did different things. And as you think about Jesus, if you find your mind distracted, continue to breathe out and breathe out and just say the name of Jesus and focus on all that he's done for us today. Let's pray.